Welcome to the opportunity for a personal spiritual growth experience with the Sue Curran Podcast, a podcast all about leading you into understanding the ways and heart of God. Pastor Sue shares from her decades of experience as a founding pastor, author, teacher, and world missionary. The goal is that you receive practical spiritual insights that you can apply to your life at home, church, and place of business. And now, your host, Dr. Sue Curran. Welcome back to the Sue Curran Podcast. Today, you are going to hear the second part of my conversation with our special guest. Now, you don't want to miss the first part of our conversation, so if you haven't listened to it, please pause the episode and go back now. And now, part two of my conversation with our special guest. I remember, Mark, that I came in, yeah, I had been a Methodist for a number of years, and I came in through the charismatic door, and so I just had, I had some pretty good background, and uh, then the charismatics uh, were so good in some areas and somewhat shallow in some other areas, and it was so wonderful then when I met some of these pe- people that you just mentioned add to that, David Shock and then Jim and Oh, David. yeah. Some of these people, they were so enriching, as you say, uh, Violet was in your life. Now, I'm sure that this is an, a necessary part of God's way to mentor and bring up people in this prophetic gifting and prophetic ministry. We can't do it, can we, without others that are going to uh, play their role in grooming and forming us in what God's called us to be. Absolutely. We all need mentors and it's not an area that um, can be developed and groomed independently. Right. Even, even Paul's guidelines in the charismatic gift of prophecy, apart from the office of the prophet, the charismatic gift, Paul says, let two or three speak and let the others judge. So mm-hmm. these have to be done within a context of accountability and social relations that where there's some sense of a covenant bond mm-hmm. of faithfulness, where you're working out the life of Christ together in a community where you're all accountable. Well, I never knew until I met some of these people. And since then I've met many more of them. I didn't know that there were ministers and pastors who would be committed, uh, loyal, and really help you on your journey, not in it for what they could get they felt that part of their calling was to build other people i think that's just yeah. a tremendous thing oh absolutely absolutely before i forget i i probably need to include eddie smith in this story too yeah, sure. because eddie eddie was prior to violet um eddie died sooner than violet i mean violet lived to be 90 years old violet was uh, it's only a few years back thanksgiving um, when she passed, and Patrick, her grandson, and Marlena, his daughter, were here with us for Thanksgiving when Grandma died. Um, so it was it was interesting because um, Patrick, when I met Patrick, he was nine years old when Violet had me down to Shiloh for the first time to lead worship in their camp meeting. Um, but I had gotten saved in New York and and was attending church in Brooklyn with Malcolm Smith and Floyd Nicholson, and Malcolm had a unique network of relationships from the UK, 
that included the likes of Don Double and Mike Darwood, who had a group called the Good News Crusade that traveled the world and preached the gospel with signs and wonders. And anytime they would come in, we as Bible school students, we just flocked to that because like just they were just they just represented a dimension of the kingdom that we had never really understood. I mean, we signs and wonders weren't talked. At least, I mean, it, there was A.A. Allen, you know, everybody knew it at that time, you know, A.A. Allen had just passed away. But in terms of in seeing signs and wonders in a local church, we saw them in stadiums, but we weren't seeing them in, in local churches. And, and Don and Mike had this ability to come into a local church and, and foster an expectation by preaching that God would do these things if we believed. And along with them would come Eddie Smith every once in a while. Now, Eddie was from Cornwall on the coast of England. He was an illiterate piano tuner that got saved um, while tuning pianos. And um, at some point, God spoke to him and said, if you'll start reading the scripture, I'll teach you how to read. And for years, all that he could read was the Bible. He couldn't read a newspaper. Mm. He couldn't read a book. He later taught himself how to read, but, but when he opened the scripture, he understood the scripture. And to this day, I will never forget Eddie's teachings on the prophet Ezekiel and his teachings on the covenant God made through Moses and the seven covenantal names of, of Jehovah and the Exodus event. He just, he loved all that rich imagery and symbolism around the glory of God. His stuff on Ezekiel 1, 2, and 3. I've read some of the masterful theologian, theologians on Ezekiel 1, 2, and 3. And this illiterate piano tuner could give them all a run for their money. Wow. Um, just the insights God gave him. And, and, you know, you read some of these scholars and I'm saying they get, they, they, it takes them all the while to get over here and then they get there and they say, oh, Eddie said that, Eddie said that, Eddie <laughs> saw that, you know, but again, he, had ne he was never schooled, but Eddie had an amazing ability to prophesy and to move in the word of knowledge. And, um, he, he, again, he, he, he captivated the interest. So when he would come and teach in the Bible school for days, for days, we, you know, we, we just couldn't get enough. Well, <clears throat> he came one year. Now, he had never ministered to me. And one year he came and he started on a Sunday. And um, that week before, I had been through a really difficult week in Bible school. And um, I was basically told I would never amount to anything and that they weren't going to give me um, homiletics in my third year because I'd never be a preacher. <laughs> and so they eliminated homiletics from my program. And they basically said, you know, we don't know what to do with all this stuff you think is prophetic because we don't we don't think you've got any of that. And um, so they shut. I mean, they literally shut my dreams were shut down. Um, and I was devastated. Well, that Sunday morning, I, you know, I, I slept in, I didn't want to go to church, but I was, I was engaged to Ruth and she called me from Brooklyn. I lived on Staten Island. She said, you better get, get the church. You're going to miss Eddie. And I said, I don't want to go. She said, we're going. So I picked her up. We got there late. And back in those days, you know, in Sunset Park in Brooklyn, there was alternate side of the street parking. Um, 
But on Sundays, if you got to church 15 minutes late, you would have to park blocks from where the church was. Right. And um, and we were in a ghetto, ghetto neighborhood. So you knew the further you were away from the church, the more likely you would come back and your car would be on four cement blocks and you'd have no tires. <laughs> that was just the reality. Yeah. But but, you know, we we found a parking spot. We got to church. We were sitting in the very last row on the very end of the row. Eddie preaches his whole sermon and everybody's waiting for him to move in the word of knowledge for healing, for deliverance at the end. And he had a Cockney accent and um, he said, I know I'm, I'm doing as best as I can remember. I know that you're all waiting for me to minister in the word of knowledge, but the Lord has instructed me not to say a word. And everybody's gone quiet. And he says, here's the reason. He says, there's a, there's a young man in this congregation who has been told he is never going to amount to a preacher or a prophet. But God has called him already before this moment to move in signs and wonders and to be one of the great preachers of his generation. And he is going to lift his voice right now and pray. And many of you are going to be healed. Wow. And so I'm sitting in the back saying, he ain't talking about me. And so he goes quiet. And he says, now, son, wherever you are, lift your voice. Nobody's praying. Now, my heart's beating a mile a minute. And Ruth is elbowing me as hard as she can, saying, you better pray. I said, honey, I am not going to pray. I said, no. And she's and Eddie does it three times. And the third time he says, son, you will either have your heart palpitate out your chest one more time and collapse or you will pray. <laughs> and that's that's how intuitively aware he was. Well, and I was on the very last row. Well, I shakingly, fearfully lifted my voice to pray. And by the end of that service, there were about 14 people healed and the congregation came up and hugged me and celebrated me. And uh, now my my mentor and never gave me homiletics. Um, he still never gave me homiletics, but um, I said, God, what do I do? Well, two things. Spirit of God said to me, you like Shambach? I said, I love Shambach. He said, you listen to Shambach every day. Listen to what he does with the text and just do what he does. And I learned state, illustrate, and apply listening to R.W. Shambach. Wow. And the next week during Bible school, Eddie personally took time with me, began to develop a relationship with me that lasted till he died. But Eddie took time with me and he said, son, marry the book. Marry the book. Yeah. And uh, he said, the book is going to open up to you in a brand new way. And th those were significant moments that to this day, um, they move me deeply. Yeah. Um, they've changed the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, really significant. Well, when we hear stories like you just told, and thank you really for taking the time and patience to open it all for us so that I just found myself there in the situation and to realize <clears throat> how 
other people have had such a part uh, in in reaching in, as it were, and sort of drawing out those ministries that God has given. You know, like God sent people to Paul in the New Testament to finish up another part of the ministry. It's, sure. it's really key that, sure. you know, I know that when I meet someone and they're highly anointed, they're flowing in a realm that I'm not that familiar with. Now he sent me someone that's going to help to develop me another step. And I'm so thankful for his ways like that because, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, when, when God saw the mess we were in, he didn't send the committee. He sent Jesus. He sent his <laughs> son. And sort of like that. He sends people to help you that are, that can relate to you and individuals who are capable of giving themselves to you. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm just thinking, Mark, where where would you have been if this person had not been obedient? And he wasn't just talking things. He was really delivering the word of the Lord, wasn't he? He was. He was. Yeah, this was it would it was unmistakable. It was how can you he doesn't know me from Adam's house cat. Mm-hmm. He refuses. He refuses to move until whoever this young man is prays because he's convinced the impression he has is from a divine source. Um, I feel something, Mark, that really we should share uh, with our audience is the importance of understanding the difference between Old and New Testament prophecy so that we can allow for the flowing of the New Testament prophetic word and and not confuse that with the approach. Could uh, you share with us a little on that? Help our understanding. Yeah, I th- you know, I think the prophetic umbrella is so big that... Um, you know, you, you, there's so much there to unpack. Yes. But I, I, at the very first level of Old Testament prophetic order, while the first mention of the Nabi or the prophet is in, in Genesis 18 in relation to Abraham with um, uh, Abimelech. And in that case, it was tied to intercession. Um, the the unfolding of prophetic understanding comes to a a clear awareness in the figure of Moses. And God raises up Moses and, um, you know, Moses, Moses is entrusted with the care of these millions of exiles and God gives him wisdom and direction and he functions as their prophetic overseer. But he says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord God will raise up a prophet like me from among your brethren. And he goes on and gives details. Now he's speaking of the Christ himself. Mm -hmm. So that Moses begins with a prophet like me. So whoever this figure is, he is going to be like Moses. Well, in what way will he be like Moses? He will be a deliverer. He will be a savior. He will operate within a dimension of signs and wonders, Um, you know. And so here we see Jesus, the new Moses, at the Exodus event of the cross. But even prior to going there, in his incarnation, he heals, he delivers, he sets free. The people say, surely this is the prophet. Um, John the Baptist is questioned by by the Pharisees as to who he is. Are you the prophet? He says, no. Are you the one to come? No. Um, but I'm here to point to the one to come. 
And so we've got this picture of God's intent to reveal a prophetic figure that ultimately becomes the fulfillment of everything from Moses to John the Baptist and beyond that represents what the prophet will look like in the new covenant community. Mm -hmm. So, so when Jesus in Matthew 18 says, who do men say that the son of man is? So some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say, you know, Isaiah, some say John the Baptist come back from the dead. Well, so you've got all these perceptions based on these major prophetic figures that none of them in themselves paint a complete picture, but all of them become a composite of the multifaceted aspects that are found in prophetic ministry. So I, I would say that the Old Testament prophet foreshadows in part, because they all, they all have a part in the fullness that is Christ, and that Christ as the New Testament prophet when he ascends, out from him comes five expressions that endeavor to capture the fullness of who he is as prophet, which include apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Mm -hmm. um, you can couple it to pastor, teacher. But then within that, that New Testament prophet, to me, what distinguishes, there's a number of things that distinguish the New Testament prophet from the Old Testament prophet, um, but that that New Testament prophet, the Old Testament prophets were, 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 were pretty much focused on a promise that hasn't been fulfilled. And in calling the people to repentance, they were calling them back to trust Yahweh and not forget him. Mm -hmm. And so their focus was Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Well, when Christ comes, <clears throat> you know, God says, this is my beloved son, hear him. So that the New Testament prophet, if the New Testament prophet is to speak faithfully of the testimony of Jesus, the spirit is going to point us to Jesus so that the New Testament prophet won't be known so much by how accurate they are, though many of them are accurate, but by how faithful they are to tell the story of Jesus, even in the charismatic gift. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and to embrace the nature of Jesus because the, the, the vessel has to, be as in, has to be as important as the message they carry. Right. So it's, it's not just the gift they carry, it's, it's who, who they are becomes the message. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I think the kind of games playing and manipulation and, you know, I want to be careful, but just there's just some stuff going on right now that I know if Judson were alive, I know if Violet were alive, I know if David Schock were alive, they would look at that and say, this is not what we taught you. This right. is not what yeah, we told right. you. You know, I'm just, just being honest, mm -hmm. just being honest. Yeah. You remember Reginald Lazell? Uh, yeah, I remember Reg. He was the apostle that sort of seemed to be ahead of so much of that at North Battleford in the beginning, right? which happened there. And I remember, you know, we were so young and so new at everything when he came to visit us in our ministry. And I remember saying to him, well, if these people who seem to be prophesying, but they're not, where do they get these things that they're saying? 
And he says to me, oh, it's just their imagination. <laughs> well, he made that simple enough. Yeah, but exactly. It was, was a very... Exactly. But you know, when, when, when a word comes forth, like you mentioned David Schock, mm-hmm. in the meeting that he was in, there was a, a prophet there from Ireland, and he actually just simply blurted out, not knowing David Schock or the people there, uh, I have called my servant David Schock. I call him out by name uh, that he had called him to be a prophet and so forth. David Shock himself told me this and how it had impressed him. When when names are called like that and when ministries are made so clear, um, then we know that we're beginning to move in a realm where the prophetic is not only going to lift up, but it's really going to help us to the place where we're going. Yeah, and I, I don't want to sound weird, but there there is a, a mystical dimension that takes this out of the realm of technique and puts us into an arena of what we we would call the realm of God's glory. That's true, Mark. You know, I mean, I remember when Milford Kirkpatrick or Violet or David would preach and prophesy in the flow of their gift. There was an uh, around them and on them that was characteristically divine. It wasn't just they were prophesying. There was the, the, the presence of the glory of Christ was palpable on them. There were times I would swear I could almost see it. And I know that sounds mystical. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, sound weird. There's there's something characteristic about that. That honestly, Pastor Sue, I yearn for that again in this generation because I don't see it. I don't see it, and I want to see it. And I want the I, I want the emerging generation to see it because I know it's valuable, and I don't want it to be cheapened. I want it to be valued and celebrated. I was just getting ready to ask you. Uh, do you feel or has God shown you or do you think that there is coming the raising up again of a different level of the prophetic similar to what I, you I want before? to believe that I, f- I feel as if the, the the dog and pony show has to stop and and I feel that right. that people are are going to start getting tired of the dog and pony show and that and that there's mm-hmm. a generation, ageless generation. This is not a matter of millennials or Gen Xers or baby boomers, but there's a there's a generation mm-hmm. of men and women that are looking like like Simeon and Anna are looking for the consolation of Israel. They're looking for mm-hmm. something fresh to awaken the church to its pristine destiny. And and I think if mm-hmm. we can proclaim and preach to that expectation. I think it can become a prophetic womb from which those kind of giftings can emerge. I don't know if that makes right. sense or and, not, but that's kind and of. We, oh, it does. We stand on spiritual yeah. tiptoe and uh, we begin to believe God and travail and intercede. I remember Kenneth Hagin telling about how before the 1948 outpouring at 2.30 every morning for, I think it was something like five months he would go in a separate place and pray for two or three hours, it was, for the move of the Spirit. 
to break through. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, you know, maybe that can be a real key is that we just begin to, to form that womb that can birth this wonderful thing that God wants to do next. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's got to be something we do in concert. Now, I realize God can use single voices. I'm not denying that. But I, but I, I think they're neat. You know, on the day of Pentecost, it says Peter took his stand with the 11. Mm-hmm. And there's something about this sense of coming together and realizing we're greater together than we could ever be apart. Right. That if God, listen, when you had the SALT conferences back in the day, right. that, that was something our generation just looked to and admired because nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing that. And somehow, somehow, some way, if there could be that kind of coming together um, with a real sense of conviction by the spirit. I mean, we can try to make it happen in our own flesh, but I mean, something, something birthed by the spirit that would have the kind of um, earmarks of God saying, I'm in this, I'm committing to this. Yes. Are you committing with me? Yeah. I, I think it could, it could captivate a generation. I really do. Well, I do too. And, and, you know, uh, I have found that, uh, there's a scripture that talks about there was a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, some generations are not hungry, hungry to listen. Right. And then it seems that God, I can't, I can't explain to anybody why I got so hungry in my Methodist church all those years ago, but I would not be denied because I was hungry. And I, Bill Johnson is the one who says, and in the kingdom of God, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Absolutely. It's the opposite from, from in the world. And so I believe that I'm beginning to feel some of these nudgings of hungry people now wishing uh, that there would be those that would teach them. In fact, that's one of the reasons I want to do these podcasts mm. is because I think, you know, we can take the time to delve into the things that people are wanting now to know. I might have people ask me these questions as you and I have discussed today, uh, but I'm not going to take the time that we have taken to unfold those things, whereas listening to a podcast, people can get some things, and and not something intellectual or academic, but something that is really living to those people, things that they have lived. And they actually are bringing it to this generation. I think there's got to be that transfer. There does. And ironically, Pastor Sue, the early doctors of the church, you know, the, the Paul was Paul was the most brilliant mind alive next to Jesus and Gamaliel. Um, but but the early doctors of the church, the, the, the Evagrius Ponticus um, said all prayer is theology and all theology is prayer what they were trying to say was that when you turn intellect into an end in itself not submitted to the communion of the living god yeah. all you've got is dead truth 
Right. But the spirit makes it alive. And what we need is men and women of God that are immersed in communion with the Father and the Son by the Spirit, alive and on fire like Moses' burning bush, burning but not consumed. That's where we need to be and uh, allowing people to... What was it, Wesley, that said, light a man on fire and let the world watch him burn? Yeah. Let God light a man on fire, let the world watch him burn? Yeah, that, I mean, they'll I, come I, to see him burn, yeah. Yeah, I, we, we need that. We desperately need that. And we need that from more than one or two. We need that from a company. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I have thought in the distressing day that we are living in that uh, there's likely, I mean, I've heard a few words. I'm sure you have too. But there likely is going to be a true word in all of this that is, is going to really raise the faith levels and uh, encourage people to pray that thing uh, into being, mm -hmm. and this could be the this could be exactly uh, what turns the whole thing. It was such a sad statement today. I read that Donald Trump uh, had made uh, the statement: uh, "This can be the worst week of your life." <laughs> That's yeah. not a very happy yeah. note to start on, you know. But, but things like he said. Um, like we have experienced before Pearl Harbor and things of this nature. But but things that happen are not the same if we have the hope that God yeah, is going to yeah. speak right into that. I think all our leaders um, are doing the best they can with what they have. and But the models are yes. only models. You know, a spoon is a model for a hand. You know, when, you know, we, we ate with, we mm -hmm. ate with our fingers before we ate with, 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 you know, a, a fork and a knife. So, yeah. so man creates models of something that work with the hand. So you got a spoon, a fork and a knife, but a model is not the real thing. It's a model. It's not reality. And, and while they're working with these models, right. they may say more are going to die now than before, but I'm praying earnestly that we discover that the model is wrong. I'd, ra I'd rather be sequestered Amen. and find out we, we didn't have to be than be sequestered and find out we should have been. But my prayer is the model is off and um, we really are in a more positive place than we thought we were. I hold that hope. I do hold that hope. But I know we're doing the best we can with what we have, and we have to obey and follow and do everything we need to do to make sure we're not spreading the virus. But I still think God, God is still on the throne, and God is able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all we could ask or think or even imagine. Well, absolutely. And you know, mm -hmm. Reese Howells and that praying group he had there in Wales, it's a pretty well known fact that they were in absolutely Normandy. Absolutely, yes. And so, uh, you know, we have we need to have the confidence that our prayers are going to really count for something. I do believe that this has been the thing that that has marshaled prayer more than anything mm -hmm. in a long, long time. Maybe we'll yeah, even yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I want to. I just want to thank you so much, uh, Mark. I think this has been so rich and 
and so very enlightening for so many people. And uh, I'm really glad I remember the time that you called me and and said, uh, you need to stay out there and say what you're saying because yeah. everybody's not saying that. And uh, that's exactly the way I feel about your ministry as well. These things need to be said, and you and you have a history that it comes out of. And I, I just think that we're living in a day where this desperation, even that we're living in right now, is going to create a hunger that we would not have expected. I believe that's part of yeah. what God will do with yeah. us. I believe it too. And, and Pastor, I, I appreciate you yeah. for all that you do and all the years you have invested in the body of Christ. And, you know, just even in, 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 in your insights on leadership, in your insights on, on how the church needs to be the church in a day when we're so caught up in franchise models of the church, what you have done in your journey has been invaluable. Uh, for the kingdom. And I, I just, I just pray God blesses you abundantly in this season for all of that. Well, I appreciate that so very much, Mark. And um, it's always been a pleasure to have you here among us. And uh, we shall look forward to see what God is sure. doing in the for future. Sure. And I feel sure that Absolutely. we'll be working together um, even more. And uh, let's continue to Pray to that end. Again, thank Honored you so me. much for taking the time. Is there mm -hmm. anything, by the way, Mark? The book like I wrote is called The Dead Prophet Society, which is um, which is, is about the sons of okay. Issachar, but it, it's it is Elisha mostly, but it's called The Dead Prophet Society. They can go on the web or they can go on Amazon and download it on Kindle. Okay. Um, it's a takeoff, obviously, on the movie Dead Poets Society. That, but but I, I take course, that story yeah. and then I begin to tell the story of Elisha and his bones and why dead prophets still have something to offer. Um, so That's great. Oh, that's so good. And uh, if people want to know more about... Uh, church, church on the Living Edge, your, Orlando com. Okay, well, much, uh, many, many much. thanks, and thank you for your prayers, and I you certainly it. will have bless ours. You too. God bless you, Mark. You've been listening to the Sue Curran Podcast. Join us next time as Dr. Curran shares more insights through interviews and teachings geared to help you grow in your relationship with the true and living God and function in a more productive and powerful way.